At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Jesus, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. When did this happen? It happened when Jesus was coming up out of the water. Something took place. He's in the water. He's been baptized. He's coming up. And he saw, this is John the Baptist, he saw something and he heard something. What did he see? Well, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, it does not say the Spirit was a bird or a dove, but like a dove. So it's representative. But he sees these two things. And he heard a voice. The voice said, uh, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now here we have one of the places in the Bible where we actually see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together mentioned in a, in a single text. Beautiful place to see the Trinity. Uh, we also see something very important here. That only the Son pleases the Father. What a nice thing this would be. Imagine, if you really care about God and you want to know him, walking down the road one day and the heavens open up, the skies part, and a voice descends from heaven and says, Bless you, my child. I love you, and I am well pleased with your life. Well, it's never happened to anyone. It's never happened to me. It's never happened to you. I can guarantee you that. It's never happened to any of the prophets in the Bible only one person did the skies part and the voice come down from heaven saying, You are my son. I am well pleased with your life. This means that the son's life was perfectly acceptable to the father. And what's beautiful about this is not only that his life was perfectly acceptable, but now because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we too are perfectly accepted by the father. That's a wonderful truth. It's beautiful. So, it's not that my life, you see, is perfect and God looks at me and says, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, I accept you, your life is perfect. No. But since Jesus' life was acceptable to God and pleasing to the Father, and I believe in him, now the Father sees me perfect and acceptable. And he's well pleased with my life because when he sees me, he sees Jesus Beautiful truth, but Jesus is the only person that ever has the skies part, and we hear this voice coming from heaven. The Holy Spirit also, we see in this text, comes down upon Jesus, and as I said before, this marks the beginning of his ministry. Now, it's amazing to think that Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God came upon him, to mark the beginning of his ministry. It does mean that Jesus did not operate independently, but it also means that he operated under the Spirit's power, under his leadership and independence, in coordination with the Father and with the Spirit. So this is a lovely truth about Jesus. We don't see Jesus as an arrogant individual boasting about who he was. He's very humble and working in cooperation with the other persons of the Trinity, with the Father and the Spirit. So, a lovely, lovely truth that we see here. And this is what the Bible says next. 
Mark 9, Mark 1, verse 12. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals, and angels attended him. Now, this is all that Mark says about the temptation of Jesus Christ in the wilderness, where Satan tempted him. You can read more in Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. I have the Bible references there for you. But even in these short sentences that Mark makes, there's enough here to talk about for an hour. I won't. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. So immediately, coming up out of the water, the Spirit himself leads Jesus into the wilderness. There's a period of time, 40 days, a purpose. He was tempted by Satan. And we see some of the uh, wild animals living around him, uh, around Jesus. So he's not necessarily sheltered from harm and evil. Very dangerous place to be. And angels actually come to attend him, to serve him, to help him. We also learn in the Gospel of Luke and Matthew that he was fasting during this time. So very, very difficult time for Jesus indeed. So we can say this. Jesus was led by the Spirit into a season of temptation by Satan. That's a powerful thought. Many times we feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like, certainly if God the Spirit is leading my life, there will never be a problem. Everything will work out just fine. Everything will be smooth. I will walk from victory to victory and never experience discouragement, failure, or trials. Well, that's false. The Spirit of God leads us into the will of God. And a life that is led by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit means that we are led at times into very difficult seasons. Now, God never tempts us to do evil. The book of James tells us that. And I do not believe that as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus, that Satan can live inside of me. I do not believe that. The Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. But that does not alleviate us from being tried by Satan. We still live in this world where there are demons and where Satan himself is the prince. And there are times when we are led by God into very difficult times. And so be encouraged to know that difficult times don't mean that God has left you. Sometimes he's led you through a season of real trial that you can learn and you can grow through that. Now here Jesus is led, it says, in the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days by Satan. So what do we see here about Jesus? Number one, he was tempted. This is very helpful. I'm going to read a verse from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. And it says this, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. This is amazing. Capture this. It means that Jesus does not sit in a holy position, standing at a distance from us, looking at us with depressed, loathsome eyes, wondering why we are such failures, wondering why we have such a hard time in this world. Mm -mm, that's not what Jesus does. In his holiness, in his perfection, he steps into our world and he experiences every trial, every temptation that you and I have experienced, but there's a difference. He wins. He is the victor. He is the champion. 
he never sinned. So what it means is that, as this verse tells us, Jesus can understand our trials, our temptations, our, our, our weaknesses. He understands them, and so he empathizes with us. So a beautiful truth here we see that Jesus being led into the wilderness is being tempted, and yet the one truth that we need to start with in this lesson today is that Jesus has power over Satan. And this is the life that we see. Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit means, number one, that he has power over Satan. You see, this story reminds us of a story in the book of Genesis when a man named Adam came face to face with Satan and he lost. He failed. And as a result, you and I have inherited from Adam a sinful nature and a rebellious world that we live in. Jesus, the perfect son of God, met Satan face to face and won. And so he is the champion over Satan and over his power, over his kingdom, and over his authority. So a beautiful truth that Jesus has championed the devil in this world for us. Now, it says that uh, he was led into the wilderness. So probably if he was baptized in the Jordan River, as you can see on this map, he was led into this region of the wilderness. It says in Mark 1, 14, after John was put in prison, that's John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news so we see Jesus here now, empowered by the Spirit and preaching, telling people the good news to turn, change their hearts, and to believe this is the work of God. This is what God wants from any one of us. He's not asking us to do religious things. He says, soften your heart, turn to him, and believe. And when you believe, you receive a clean heart, you receive a new life, a new beginning with God. In Mark 1, verse 16, we see the story pick up. It says, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee. Now, I'm going to pause here for a moment. I want to show you a map because I find it's very important to know where things were taking place. Where is the Sea of Galilee? Well, you can see on this map the Sea of Galilee. It's in the nation of Israel. It's north of the Dead Sea. It's north of Jerusalem. It's in a region that's called Galilee. And this is the region where Jesus did most of his ministry. I'm going to zoom in a little bit closer because I want you to see not only the Sea of Galilee, but I want you to see on the shores of the Sea of Galilee a city called Capernaum. This is Peter's hometown, his brother Andrew, his hometown, and this is where Jesus meets them. Let's pick up the story from there. It says that he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets, and they followed him. A few things we learn about Peter. Number one, his name was Simon. You might be saying, wait a minute, where's Peter here? Well, if you don't know the story, Peter's name will be changed by Jesus to Simon. I'm sorry, from Simon to Peter. So here we see his name originally was Simon. We see he has a brother named Andrew. And we see that his job, his career, fishing. Don't think that he was sitting with a pole and a rod fishing with a couple of friends for casual 
fishing as a hobby. This was his business. It was his livelihood. He fished all night. He brought the fish in, took them to the market and sold those fish. Got up the next morning and did the same thing. So we see that P Peter is not uh, a religious educated individual. He was Jewish, so he knows about the Messiah who is coming. He's aware of the stories of the Bible, but not a religious man. In fact, probably his language might have been very vulgar. His habits might have been pretty bad. We see that when he meets Jesus in Luke chapter 5, he tells Jesus, please go away from me. I'm a sinful man. But here we see Simon Peter being introduced to Jesus. And we also see two others being introduced to Jesus, James and John. When he, that's Jesus, had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. This is amazing. We see the beginning of something, the beginning of Jesus calling men. So he is empowered by the Spirit, the Lord Jesus, from his time of his baptism. He's led into the wilderness, and we see that a Spirit-empowered life conquers Satan. We see that Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, now begins to call men, and call people to follow him. And he changes everything about their life. Now, for you, for me, when Jesus calls us, he calls us to be saved. He calls us to him to receive from him a clean heart, a new beginning with God. Sometimes our life and our career remains the same, but sometimes it doesn't. In any case, Jesus is going to turn your life upside down. All the things that you have security in, what you call your family, what you call your background, he's going to turn it upside down. He cleans house and he turns everything around. You see, he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you alone. And he's going to do a great work of change. Peter, Simon, that is, his brother Andrew, James and John. By the way, James and John were probably friends of Peter and Andrew, at least they were competitors in business and they knew each other. These four men had no idea of the day with destiny that they were facing this day when they met Jesus. This was a day of destiny. This was a day when all would change. This is a day that they would reflect back on 30 years later and say, do you remember when we first met him? Oh, we had no idea that the destiny of our life, the things we did, the places we went, the people we were, was going to change dramatically. And this is what Jesus does today. Empowered by the Spirit, Jesus alive in this world today, as the gospel goes out, the good news, he calls you to believe in him, to turn to him, and to let him transform and change your life, to turn your world upside down, to make you somebody you never thought you could ever be, to take you places you would never have gone before, to change the relationships that you have now, he is going to turn your world upside down. It's his way. He calls you to himself and he does this and changes everything about your life. And let's carry on with the story. We see a third uh, fact about Jesus being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Mark 
Chapter 1, verse 21 says, They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So, an interesting comment made by Mark about Jesus. Um, honestly, I believe that religious teaching can be some of the most boring teaching in the planet, some of the most boring teaching in the world. And it can be oftentimes historical recitations, historical uh, recounting of the days gone by. It can be lectures of the do's and the don'ts of what people should do. So you could imagine a Jewish rabbi in this synagogue, perhaps giving lectures week after week about what would be appropriate to do on a Sabbath. So someone asks a question, can I untie my donkey or is that work if I untie my donkey on the Sabbath because we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath? So the rabbi looks and says, well, according to the scholars from this particular school, they say, and according to the scholars from that school, they say, and the lecture goes on and goes on. And and typically, it's one of those things that we do in religious meetings is they tend to be very good places to catch up on lost sleep. So you can imagine people sitting in the synagogue meetings, dozing off, falling asleep, trying to stay awake. It's common. It's common. And this is not to make fun of synagogues. This is not to make fun of rabbis. This is a common thing within religious meetings. But notice there's something different about Jesus. It says the people were amazed at his teaching. The people were amazed. The people saw something and heard something about the teaching of Jesus that was very different. He taught with authority, not as the teachers of the law. So now Mark is going to give us an example of what it means by Jesus teaching with authority. Watch this. You won't believe what happens next. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, now, this word in the Bible that's called impure spirit is a word that means unclean spirit, evil spirit, or demon. There are a couple of synonyms that are used to describe basically the same thing. I don't want to get into a lengthy discussion right now about what demons are or unclean spirits are, but they are fallen angels. They live in this world and we see in the Bible quite often that they want to live inside of people. They need a house. They need a body to live in. Sometimes there's one. Sometimes there's many living inside of one individual person. Sometimes they create sicknesses and illnesses. Not all the time, but sometimes. Uh, but here is an interesting one. Watch what happens with this. There's an impure spirit living inside this individual. And it says in the Bible that this spirit cries out. Now, the word for cry out here is, only, is always used to talk about the way demons speak in the New Testament. There's only one time this word is used in a different way, and that refers to the crowd shouting. But otherwise, this word means to, to have a sort of a deep throat shout. It's a shout that's coming deep from within the throat. Wah, wah. So you're getting the picture here. So a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, and what does he say? 
He says, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I love to put on the sandals of the people who walked the streets with Jesus. I love to imagine I'm one of them. I like to put myself in that story. What were the people hearing? What were they thinking? What were they imagining? Put yourself in that scene, and it's going to help you to really capture the power of the story that Mark wants to communicate to us. So I want you to imagine that you are somebody who attends this synagogue on a regular week. You're, you're a weekly attender, and you live in Capernaum, and here you are in the synagogue, and you've come here this week especially because Jesus is teaching, and you love the way that he teaches with authority. And there you are, you're listening. Maybe you're several rows back. And seated maybe behind you is this individual. Now, who is this person? It says a man in their synagogue. So maybe he attended every week. Maybe he was a visitor. We don't know. Maybe he was the person who collected the offering. Maybe he was the person who counted how many people attended that week. Maybe he was a person who greeted others. We don't know. But it says a man was in there. So I'm just trying to paint a scenario for you. So here you are, sitting here listening to Jesus. Hmm... Oh, yes. Wow. Jesus said this. You turn to your friend. Oh, yes. Did you hear? Did you hear what he said? Oh, you're just enjoying these words as Jesus teaches. And all of a sudden, you hear this cry. You hear this sound. Jesus, I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Have you come here to destroy us? This deep cry comes out from somebody in the synagogue. Spooky. Strange. Now notice that Jesus was not asking people to come to the front of his meeting to heal them. He was not asking them to come up and asking, if you have a problem with a demon, I want you to come forward. He is simply teaching. And as he's teaching, this demon cries out. This is phenomenal. That means, if think about it. If this person was a weekly attender and he had come to the synagogue every week, it means he had a demon in him and nobody knew. It means he was living life normally. This demon was not creating any sickness. It was simply living in him. And this demon takes over this man's body as Jesus is teaching and begins to speak through the mouth of this individual and addresses Jesus. This demon, obviously, with the words that are spoken, is very much afraid. Let's see what the demon says. What do you want with us? Question. Jesus of Nazareth. The demon knows who Jesus is. Have you come to destroy us? Is this what you're here for? Is this what you want with us? Are you here for judgment of the demons and Satan's kingdom? And then a statement of identity. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This is a powerful event. This is why the people were amazed with Jesus. And it says that he taught in a different way than the synagogue leaders taught. So all this is taking place. And notice what Jesus does next. Jesus says immediately, be quiet, come out of him. And it says that he speaks to the demon sternly. He looks at the man and he says, be quiet, be quiet. You come out of him. And it says immediately, the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. So this man is shaking and shaking and out comes this demon with a loud shout. Woo! And out it goes. 
Now, if you're attending this meeting, I'll tell you, you wouldn't forget it. You would not forget it. This is not a meeting where people are pretending to have demons and others are pretending to cast out the demons. This is real stuff. In the middle of Jesus' speech, this demon interrupts and begins to cry out with fear of judgment that Jesus has come to judge. Jesus silences the demon because no demon is going to speak and testify of who Jesus is, the Son of God. So he silences the spirit, tells the spirit to come out, and the spirit shakes him violently and comes out. Notice this. Third point. Jesus' life, now empowered by the Spirit, and Mark shows us not only does he have power over Satan, not only does he call people to follow him and transform their life, but he also has power and authority over demons and evil spirits. Amazing, beautiful Savior, this Jesus. Who is this person, Jesus? Who is he? He is amazing. Notice the people's response. It says the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. The news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This Jesus is an amazing person. Empowered by the Spirit now for ministry, Check out the next teaching on Mark chapter 1 as we conclude chapter 1 of Mark with more that we learn about Jesus being introduced as this Son of God, God himself, 100% man as well, now empowered by the Spirit to do ministry. Watch what happens next. Be blessed.